Hi, I'm Mark Kent. And I'm Jacob Pusey. And you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb and you see Episode 5 of the Art and Science of Running podcast. Uh, we're here again in Calgary at the Versa Movement C- Collective, uh, where the clinic where Malk is based and, and offers um, some of his gait and strength um, expertise, and it's also a, a physio clinic. Um, and, um, we're here with a, a doctor of physical therapy, uh, Zach Marion. Thanks among, for having me. Yeah. <laughs> among other things, uh, Zach uh, recently completed his, his doctorate in physical therapy. And um, prior to that, you were the product line manager at Ultra Running. Yeah. Is that- yeah, I was product line manager at Ultra, Ultra Running. Um, for those who can understand the accent change, Ultra, not Ultra. <laughs> so Ultra, A-L-T-R-A, uh, you know, the, the footwear brand that's recently sprouted. Um, Started out there, one of their first employees, and watched it grow, and then decided to take a little spin-off into PT school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's actually how you and I met. We were um, some of the first ultra athletes and yeah. ultra. <laughs> oh my gosh, years um, back. It, I, I guess I guess you could technically call me a, a, an ultra employee, but way back then I wasn't getting anything other than free shoes. So, um, but it, it's been fun to see the the company grow, and it's also been fun to see you break off and do your own thing and um, yeah. with physical therapy school which is quite onerous um. <laughs> it's a big undertaking that's for sure yeah. um, you know it was it was hard to walk away from ultra footwear and it was hard to walk away from that outdoor industry and the role that I had but uh, to me like education is just something that you can't ever take for granted and to have the opportunity to get a doctorate's degree that not only secures a future but just the knowledge you gain and the perspective you gain in doing that it sets you up for life to have this set of tools that uh, are just so valuable. That I just, I loved Ultra. I loved, uh, you know, working my way up through the company and eventually helping design the footwear and and uh, have some medical input there. And then, um, but you know, getting a doctor's degree—that's just something you can't ever, you can't ever take that for granted. So I had to go that route. Yeah. Well, I commend you on that. I uh, I tried that route and. Uh, dropped out so um good for you (laughs) you're a better athlete so so. (laughs) So i dnf to the pt route um no uh there were other life circumstances that kind of got in the way for that but um anyway i commend you on that effort um so currently you're uh you're still studying for your exams is that correct to yeah so i graduated from the pt program from the university of utah um go utes I uh, graduated from that program a little over a year ago, and then I've had some great opportunities with Icon Health and Fitness for one of their companies, their little offshoot brands, iFit, to be a coach. And 
Um, it's a great medium where I get to coach others through and share my personal life story through uh, their uh, Nordic Track treadmills and their iFit uh, app that they have. So you know you can run with me somewhere around the world really cool and I get to coach you through that and put together these programs and um, it is an amazing way to to reach out for a very broad audience and they don't have to be someone who's heard about you as a coach you know word of mouth kind of thing or has seen you as an athlete um, they get to just hop on their treadmill and I get to speak to a whole new type of audience that I'm you know these are a lot of our the clients on a treadmill are, are where I started off, you know, where you're, you were embarrassed to go outside if you don't know if you know how to run, and you know, you might get made fun of because you're overweight, or maybe it's more like my parents who are just a little, uh, a little older, they have, you know, 30, 40 minutes to spare, and they're gonna get and they're gonna go for a walk on their treadmill. And, uh, you know, having the opportunity to coach others through that medium and share my story and, and to inspire them to, you know, achieve their greatness has been, a, it's it's an awesome opportunity. So I took I've taken that for the last year and I'm still coach for them. So currently I'm just preparing to take my board's exam so I can practice as a physical therapist legally, which would be appreciated, I'm sure by many. Um, so right now everything I offer is just great advice. Uh, but uh, yeah, no no hands-on work with clients yet. Um, but uh, I've I've really enjoyed continuing up on the education and studying and. You know, I still do have that doctorate's degree, so that's always nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Thanks. For sure. I'm really curious about that yeah. iFit thing, because before you mentioned it and the connection with your brother as well, I was like, I haven't really heard much about it. But I'm kind yeah. of curious, like, and for the people out there as well, how does, so if they fire up the treadmill, is there like a set of programs on the treadmill that they could select from? Like, how do you, in, how would you interact with the runner on the treadmill? Yeah, so uh, at least with the Nordic Track treadmills, iFit comes pre-programmed into that. And iFit is also app-based, so if you have a tablet or if you have a phone, um, you can download the app and you can go on and you can pick a workout or a series of workouts. Um, and I, as a coach, uh, along with many other coaches that they have, uh, I come up with a program protocol. So I've got like a 10-week, right. you know, a 10K type training and I'll take you through all 10 weeks of what you should be doing. Uh, some of that can be include strength training, some of that. Um, I did a really cool uh, um, workout series that was just a hike up Kilimanjaro, right. uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. So we got to go out there and it's all filmed so you can watch it and you can see and experience the location as well as, as getting the coaching. So it's more than just a, like how I would traditionally coach an athlete, a uh, client of my own, and you know, send them a spreadsheet that says, do this warm up, do this you know, amount of intervals, and then do this cool down. They don't get any interaction with it, but for the full 30 to 45 minutes that you're on the treadmill, you have me and this beautiful view, um, not saying the beautiful view is me, but the beautiful view of the terrain that we're at in yeah. Australia, Kilimanjaro, uh, Bend, Oregon. We've been to so many beautiful places. Yeah. Um, even Shanghai, China, that was a really interesting one too. Um, but I try to involve sharing a little bit about the culture. I share a little education as well. So I want people to walk away from my workouts, every workout, with not just having a great workout, but having learned something, having gained an appreciation for the culture that they're seeing. Um, you know, even gotcha. new trees and plants or animals, like in Australia, um, seeing all sorts of new, at least to us, yeah, you know, yeah. me in a Western United States, like 
all these animals are just totally insane to me and you know you know people are laughing that i'm freaking out over an echidna and they're like yeah that's yeah. like a, a rodent here so yeah. and i'm like no oh, but it's so cool it's so different um yeah i try to bring that experience to somebody else who might not otherwise have the opportunity to ever climb mount kilimanjaro but right. you can do that at the in your own home and then and then like and then part of it is also work out prescription at the same time. So they're, yes. they're going at some certain pace or whatever during the workout as well. Exactly. So um, if you're on a, like a Nordic track or a free motion treadmill where this comes pre-programmed into it, um, you don't have to worry about changing your speed on the treadmill or the incline. It automatically matches that for you. So I essentially can control your treadmill and I go through the workout with you. And when I say, let's pick it up to an RPE or rate of perceived exertion of you know seven out of ten. I'm doing that with you on film, right. and the treadmill automatically fires up to that. So okay. um, yeah. it's basically a really great way to get a good workout in without having to put a lot of time and attention. Like, oh, what should I be doing right now? Me, your iFit trainer, I have that under control, yeah. and I'm giving you a great experience on top of a good workout protocol. Okay. So it's it's been a great opportunity. I love it. It's such a fun thing to do, and uh, you know to hear the feedback from people who are, you know, I've always wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and I, I've you yeah. know you inspired me so much, and I get like, even though I was at home doing it on my treadmill sure. and I wasn't up there at nineteen thousand feet in the snow, like, it was still difficult, but you yeah. pulled me through it. Like you yeah. know the treadmill went up to that forty percent incline and. You know, I was only able to do it because you were there coaching me through it, and like saying, "Come on, let's go!" Like just a little bit left, let's do this kind of thing. So it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Wow, because I've heard like massive things in like um, uh, websites, newspaper, um, just in media general in, in like the last two years. I mean, obviously there's some other companies on you know, Peloton, whatever they're pretty big, but I've I've heard a huge, heard about a huge uptake in yeah. home-based, visually coached stuff on different types of machines. Yeah, like it just yeah. seems to be something that's like, like doing this. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's a huge thing for a lot of people who don't otherwise have that uh, motivation to hop on a. I mean, let's be honest. Who who of us here wants to get onto a treadmill and stare at a blank screen or a little dot going around the track for just, just forty five people like Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got a a what is the fifty mile record over here on the treadmill uh, yeah. with Mr. Jake Pusey. So congratulations on that, by the way. I don't think I ever told you after it happened. Thanks. Um, you know, very few people like him want to hop on a treadmill and just pound out hard miles and stare at a dot going around a, you know, a little makeshift track on there. Um, people appreciate the, the experience and getting to see another part of the world. And it might be, you know, where I'm from in Salt Lake City, Utah, there's some pretty brutal winter days where you don't want to go run outside. And, you know, it could be snowed over, it could be icy, but I still need to get a run in. It's an opportunity for me to hop on and watch even another coach do what they do and refine my craft while I'm listening to them and I'm gaining tips and pointers from them and how they're doing it and kind of experiencing it myself so that I can be a better uh, iFit coach but I get to experience a new part of the world you know like I get to I get to escape to you know Bali in the middle of a snowstorm in Salt Lake City Utah and you know that's my 45 minutes and it's pretty cool what I'm seeing is it's it's giving people it's I'm all about community health I want to just spread the the notion that you don't have to accept who you are as what you think you are. You know, I, I, I started off at a very different uh, path than most athletes. You know, I was I was considered heavily obese at one point. I was two hundred and forty five plus pounds, and I did not have a traditional athletic background. Um, played sports as a kid, but you know, not much other than that. And then 
went to college and um, got a business degree and in doing so I became a medical sales rep and I just did not treat my body very well and I was always kind of a chubby kid so I just accepted it like oh you're always gonna be chubby that's just what you are um, and then it just got out of hand and you know it, it, looking at myself one day at 200 and almost 250 pounds and it was like this is just unhealthy you know I, I remember the moment that I decided that I was not okay with it I was unwilling to continue with this lifestyle I was walking up a flight of stairs and halfway up I had to stop because I was so out of breath and I made the decision that day to put on a pair of runners and go give it a shot and I, I made it half a block you know and turned around and sulked back you know walking nice and slow trying to catch my breath and but it was consistency I, I had a, I had a motivation behind it um, that was beyond you know just experiencing a, a fun place or whatnot um, I really wanted to get into better shape just for health reasons and um, I never anticipated that I would be running 100 mile mountain races uh, a few years later but uh, that's kind of what it spiraled into I have a weird uh, a weird notion about me that once I get into something it's it's all in you know I dive into the deep end head first and uh, I did that with running and I got really bored with marathons after like running four or five of them it's like training just as hard and I'm running the same time almost every marathon like this is not fun and then yeah. Someone convinced me that uh, a 100-mile trail race was a, a good experience, and I failed miserably and then decided I wanted to go back the next year and be successful, and ever since then, that's right when I got on with Ultra Footwear and um, was running for them, and um, it's been, that was 2013 uh, when I became an athlete for them officially, and wow. uh, it's been a fun journey. It's taken me all around the world. I've raced in a lot of fun places, but really to me, what it what it boils down to is it's given me a platform to be able to communicate the necessity for for health and yeah. for um, people just to realize that you don't have to settle for what you think you are you know I had no idea there was an athlete inside of me until I did the work to delve in to exploit that and I think we're all capable of great things and I just love sending cool. that message everywhere yeah, yeah awesome I really like the fact that as well I've done a bit of coaching, but I've done nowhere near as much as either of you guys. And um, and I can like, and anyone who's listening who's got like a startup company or you know whatever, like coaching, training, whatever the hell it is, um, it's really difficult, right, to get your name out and to access market. And I love the way, like as you described, like that um, the platforms like iFit can connect you to so many people around the world. That is like the coolest thing. Oh yeah, I get I get messages on social media that really, I mean, they inspire me. You know, like after having competed for as many years as I have, you know, the idea and notion of trying to go out and win a race is kind of not like as tantalizing as it once was. Um, you know, I still have that drive, but what has been inspiring me as of late, and especially ever since I graduated from the PT program, um, it's it's all about seeing people's lives change you know that's what I that's what I, I want to go to clinic for that's what I want to see I want to see people just tap into that potential they have inside and coaching and you know it's been great having iFit to be able to have a platform to launch off of that um, and seeing people's lives change is just it keeps me motivated every day yeah 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 I think we can second like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty right. much like when you drill down to the deepest, like, yeah. why are we doing this? <laughs> That's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I yeah. That's when I got my original degree in, in business and, you know, I was a medical sales rep. I was a 23-year-old medical sales rep that was 
making a good amount of money, but I was just so unsatisfied with the work. I was unsatisfied with what I was doing, and that got me looking into um, that, that happened to correlate at the same time as my, my weight loss journey and my fitness journey, personal fitness journey. Um, but then I started going back to school just because I wanted to learn more about exercise science. And then I got an exercise science degree. And then that snowballed into working with, um, with Ultra Footwear and helping design the footwear um, at, you know, by the time I left there. Um, and then a PT degree. Like it's just one thing rolls after another after another. And it's, I found that what, what drove me and what took me from step to step to step was uh, you know, wanting to change people's lives, like be involved in, in that. That's what eventually took me to where I'm at now. That's definitely each of our goals as, as coaches, but it's, it's also one of our goals of this podcast. Um, I mean, <laughs> it, it does require a substantial amount of time that none of us has <laughs> to dedicate right. to, to it. Um, and yet at the same time, we, um, we feel like this can become a resource um, where people can hear your story or the stories of other people uh, that they can relate to and, and they can access this information where they may not be able to come and attend one of our retreats or they may not be able to work directly with Malky in his clinic or directly with me uh, on the trails where I live. But um, that is one of the things that I also find compelling about uh, iFit and some of these other technologies that are making having at least something closer to a coach uh, accessible. Um, and I, truth be told, when I was training for that treadmill um, run that I did, uh, and, and even now when I get on the treadmill, most of what I do is is with a, an app where I can see something. I, I have a Boston Marathon treadmill, and so I do have access to some of the other um, iFit videos and things, but I... <laughs> I could run the Boston Marathon course every single day, and I pretty much did during the entire month of February. And um, I, it's just fun to, to yeah. have that experience. And, and that's one of their very old videos that they did a long time ago without the interaction with the coach and things like that. But it wasn't like I was out there watching the track go around every single day on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. That being said, 10 years prior, when I did start training for a marathon, that's that was the only option. And I stared at myself in the mirror and, I, the views were good, unlike you, Zach. That, yeah. I, I liked those views. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm staring yourself in the mirror is a pretty good thing. I stare at you in a mirror. Yeah, that's uh, enough I, to get me on a treadmill. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm joking. So, so no, um, but it really does come down to that motivation and, and those time constraints and things like that. Sometimes, you know, in the winter, especially, people ask how how can you justify doing that? It's like because I honestly only have about an hour allocated to training and if I spend 20 minutes putting layers on and 20 minutes taking layers off that means I only have 20 minutes to run that day so I'd rather just jump on my boxer shorts you know and like boom ready to go all I have to do is lace up my shoes and we're good to go so technology has been so so crucial in in the growth of of not only coaching but physical therapy and training and like we're just we're learning so much we're having access to so much Um, you know there's there's no doubt with the, the advent of like the internet and, and uh, having such quick access to information that the world's brightest minds can share information. Just like we're doing here on this, this podcast. Not that we're the world's brightest minds, but... Malk's really know. smart. Malk's you know. pretty smart. I, yeah, he's, he's good. So, I would take a second to that as a doctor. We still um, on the jokes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think that uh, having opportunities for podcasts and just being able to have information literally at your fingertips on the, you know, the smartphone in your pocket... Um, you know, just creates 
even if it's just discussion for more intelligence, just discussion as to well, why is this the way it is? And um, I remember before I became a PT working at the University of Utah, just doing some observation, um, Dr. Laura LaMarche had worked with uh, Dr. Chris Powers from um, uh, Southern California, one of the foremost authorities in running uh, uh, for physical therapist as a focus. And you know, this was probably five, six years ago, and you know, running physical therapy didn't exist at that point. You had physical therapists who were runners who could give a good like, oh yeah, like it seems like it would be this, you know, like I can put my mind around that. But uh, now we're having, you know, PT strictly focus on running. Like that is your sole job as a, as a physical therapist or you know, a physio, depending mm -hmm. on what part of the world you're in. Um, like you're just focusing on gait analysis and running. And um, you know, that once you get sp specific like that, now you're having people try to figure out more and more and more. Now we're looking at uh, even, you know, for one of the biggest injuries that we see uh, that I've been a part of at least has been high hamstring tendinopathy. And like, we've just completely over the last two, three years have revolutionized how we treat that. And uh, just because the studies have gotten so specific and at least in the United States, physical therapy itself has become a doctorate mandated degree. It's no longer what it used to be years and years ago, which was just like, uh, you know, a bachelor's degree and then it became a master's degree. And now it's a doctorate's degree, which it requires a lot of study and a lot of, um, a lot of specific studies behind it to help get it that way. Um, and it's no longer just this, hey, you know, learn how to get people to work out really well and stretch really well. It's like, okay, what's the science behind all this stuff? Oh, flexibility really isn't much of a thing. Maybe having a little tightness is good for a run. Like just so many discussions that are happening and um, you know, it's just technology has helped push everything so far forward. It's been amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, I'm baffled most days that I'm able to do what I do. Uh, it, it wouldn't have even, it wasn't even a career choice or an option uh, when I was in high school or even the first few years of, of college and even when the, the internet did first come out, the, the idea of doing what we do, I, I mean, Malk works with people from all over the world um, and we share some of those athletes. So when they ask me specific questions about their gait, I just refer them to Malk because he, that's his specialty. Right. And, but the fact that with something that he helped design, he can, he can ship it to him and within a week he can start tracking everything that they do for or all their running at least for a week or two and then can provide them and me with way more information than, than was once even possible in a clinic setting, you know, with right. with all of the most advanced cameras and all the rest, and he can do that with a wearable technology that remotely from from anywhere in the world, and can do the same for <laughs> athletes in Kenya that, that whose data he's tracking and, and that sort of thing. And or he, I can be wearing those same pods and run, and he can tell me via email like, hey, I noticed this run, and <laughs> we might want to look at this. Right. Um, so so this is technology that like you said, um, that amount of information and, and analysis wasn't even possible five, 10 years ago, which is really exciting, um, as long as we're willing to be adaptable and, and, and flexible, even though we do need to be firm and, and stiff at times. Uh, right, that, right, <laughs> that, that was a really, I like that little transition, that was a good little, <laughs> you brought it back, I like that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I like that we can adapt uh, with this technology and and it, it allows people like us and the people with whom we work uh, these opportunities to, to specialize and, and, and improve. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think we kind of get like, uh, at least what I noticed it, we're working with Ultra, um, you see these fads happen, right? Like, uh, you know, when I when I first started working there, which I think I was, I was their fifth employee or something like that, <laughs> and it was way back in the day, and it was right when the whole barefoot running and the Vibram five finger shoes and all that were just coming into the rage. Um, and it was all about this minimalistic running and, um, you know, then you know, years before that it was all about, well, let's correct your gait with some kind of outside resource and minimize injuries. You know, that was the idea is that minimized injuries. And now you, instead of depending on technology, then you, now you go pendulum swings the opposite way. And as you depend on your body to adapt to it. And I really think that if you look at, um, you know, dietary fads, uh, nutrition fads, physical uh, fitness fads, all that kind of stuff. They, it's usually a pendulum that swings pretty far and it's really important to have that education behind it and the science behind it and to be able to get that out to as many people as possible that, hey, the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. You know, it's not, it's not all about one way or the other as human beings. Um, I mean, look at like the most obvious thing out there, like Kenyan runners, like they're, 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 they're Kenyans and Ethiopians are, are the, the cream of the crop when it comes to endurance running, right? Um, well, that's a genetic disposition. That's something that me as, you know, uh, I have some kind of Norwegian blood in me or something. I shouldn't be that much of an athlete. Um, I'm a middle European mixed mutt. Uh, but, you know, I, don't, I will not have the genetic disposition they have. My body is built differently. So maybe what's best for them in training the way that they train might not be what's best for me given, you know, my body composition. And, and you know, likewise for everybody. I think we're all a little different. And that's what makes uh, at least being a physical therapist so much fun and, and adding that into a coach that it's so specific to each person. There's no one blanket prescription for everyone. Yeah, yeah. What I like about the... The blend of like that you're going down this road with physical therapy coaching is um, there's there's a lot of clinics, there's a lot of physical therapists, physios out there, other domains as well, providing treatment. Person walks out the door, thanks for the treatment, come back some other time, a bit more treatment, walks out the door again, and in those cases, there's a piece missing, which is like getting in, getting in between the ears <laughs> right, right. and uh, and really affecting the person like in a more kind of psychological sense. Um, ownership um, and other uh, topics come in and that's what I like about um, the way you're tackling like physio and coaching simultaneously because to just do physio and just treat people <laughs> is like yeah. it's just it's not the full service right it's just this it's it's part of what should be a full service kind of thing mm -hmm. right and um, uh, we, we see that here as well um, that uh, when you when you start coaching people you, you go into the coaching realm a little bit so you start to uh, um, you know, break down some of like how they approach the workouts and um, frame of mind and you know things like uh, how tired you are during the week and other stuff. And you bring that into the physical therapy, and then you have a more complete picture to assess someone. Right. That that gets better results ultimately, like long term. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a single coach <coughs> out there who who is just a plain coach who says, "Let's look at your." quad to hamstring strength ratio mm -hmm. like okay you keep having hamstring issues or concerns um you know let's look at that and let's i want you to go to the gym and i want you to do these couple you know workouts for me and you know let me know what you can do from a one rep max in your quads versus mm -hmm. one rep max on your your hamstrings and if that's not ratio is not 80 percent, then we need to start focusing on your strength training versus your endurance and cardiovascular training like one of the things that 
struck and this was like the biggest piece of gold that I got in PT school there was a lot of information I got but the thing that struck me the most was as athletes we're not just out there at least endurance athletes we're not out there running and just focusing on our cardiovascular system Mm. we do have a cardiovascular component to our training and that's where all the focus tends to go everyone focuses on what my run was how hard I ran but you have to have a musculoskeletal system to get you to run that far. And it doesn't matter how strong your heart and your lungs are and how great your body is at, at uh, taking oxygen, turning it into energy, and you can do that all day long, you have a high VO2 max, but if your body can't handle it, then your body can't handle it. So it's, it's this unique combination, and we can you take it one step further and look at the endocrine system and look at your recovery and all of those kinds of things. Like it's a whole, to me, training and coaching I'm, I'm excited for the day when we see an entire suite of services where it's mm. like, look, it's we're looking at everything. We're not mm. just having someone give you a prescription of like, run hard and then run harder and then run not as hard and then go run hard again. Like, yeah. it's more than that. It's it's let's look at all of the components together because you are a complete human being. Mm. You're not just a cardiovascular system or musculoskeletal system. Yeah, yeah. One of the areas like um, where I see that most often on a week by week basis is. Um, it's kind of compliance. So uh, if I take a very generic clinic, someone walks into, and at the end of it, hopefully if it's half decent, they get some exercises <laughs> afterwards, right? right? right. Um, but then there's this whole issue of compliance, right? Because you don't know what they do for the next week or two weeks outside of the clinic. And that's where I find like a coaching approach really has really has major value there. Because um, if you don't apply some kind of coaching mentality, coaching approach, you, you have, you, you're going to, have the person come back in a week or two. Have they done those exercises that you told them to do? They might tell you they yeah, I did those exercises or whatever. I did them a couple but, of times. I think <laughs> I did it like five times last week. Yeah. How engaged are they really in like taking ownership and doing doing what they have to do outside of the, the clinic time? Um, and that and whereas I find that yeah, if uh, if you if you if there's a, a coaching element with the with the treatment and with the physiotherapy, um, it's much more likely I've seen that people comply and take it on in their spare time and get after the exercises and and then they come back and you can visually see like they've improved rather than picking away have they improved it almost looks the same as like when they came last time you have to go through the whole evaluation again and you're like nothing's really changing (laughs) that that was something that actually drew me to coaching and I've I've mentioned this elsewhere but um, I was at a uh, at a coaching clinic uh, certification um, actually for like the highest level of IAAF and USATF certification uh, with with coach Joe V Hill he was presenting at the time and uh, and he I'd heard him say it before but it just it struck me at this time so much so that it was kind of like I, I need to stop doing what I'm doing and start focusing more of my energy into coaching and he's he essentially said that uh, coaching is one of the one of the few realms at sport is one of the few realms where where it's actually okay to not just try and achieve the status quo if you look at many other careers including quite lucrative careers uh, and this isn't a knock on any of these professions because they do require significant training and, and all the rest but he specifically listed doctors and lawyers and um, and he's a scientist so he, he listed doctors and lawyers and he said um, their job is to help people get back to being average. So people don't go to the doctor because they're 
not quite maximal. They usually go to the doctor because they're not even right. They're not even where where an yeah. average person should be. People don't go to a lawyer because they had you know a, their life isn't perfect. They go to a lawyer because like <laughs> things are so bad that they want to at least get back to normal, and they need that lawyer to help them. Joe Vigil said that you know coaches we have that opportunity to actually help people and people will come to us <laughs> because they don't want to just be average they don't want to be mediocre or status quo they want to actually maximize their potential or their opportunities and and when he said that uh, I, I felt like I was in a career uh, where, where I was actually being um, punished or threatened to be punished um, for having my students excel and in it, while at the same time I had um, because of funding cuts because if my students were exited out of the program prematurely or not in the amount of time that were, people were uh, expecting or anticipating there would be shortfalls of, of funds uh, that was in the field of education I'm not saying that happens all the time but that that was a yearly threat just kind of like hey too many of your students are doing too well at this test and so we're where are we going to fund your job or other people's jobs? And I was like, that's probably not my problem. My job is to teach these kids how to like learn, teach these right. kids English and how to pass this test, and they're doing it. So why are you threatening to punish me for that? So anyway, at the same time, I was coaching some of these same students, and um, I I found that you know they really enjoyed that they they had that drive to uh, to run a certain number of miles, to to run certain paces, to um, to excel and and some of these same students again they were many of them were learning English as a second language and they were willing to attack reading or anything else that I gave them with that same fervor and so to to penalize me or to penalize them or to try and somehow like blow that fire out just seemed um, antithetical to me um, inhumane actually but uh, so I, I chose to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going full-time coaching. Um, and I, I, I feel like each of us has had a moment like that um, to where, you know, whether it's been another coach that motivated us to, to choose this profession or whether it was just that, that positive feedback that we get from someone and just saying, hey, <laughs> I don't care what I'm getting paid. I, I want that on a more regular basis rather than just, right. you know, a regular paycheck or... Um, I, I feel like that validation and just feeling like you're contributing to the betterment of of individuals and to humanity um, hopefully is a good thing. And it is, as inconsequential as, say, running may be, just knowing that people's lives are, are being improved and enriched through... You know, it, it might not be... Some people might not perceive it as as, you know, important as maybe earning a paycheck to feed their family and all that kind of stuff, but... You can go and earn that paycheck and feed your family, but if you have an increased mortality rate at the age of 60 where you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke, how, how consequential is that? You know, So, I mean, I don't necessarily always want to see my athletes out there just maximizing their potential, but just I want to see them doing what the human body was meant to do. You know, we have uh, a reaction when we run to where our you know, our, our vascularization peripheralizes, it opens up, it strengthens the muscles that are in our, our veins and arteries, and um, it strengthens our heart so that our heart can be stronger longer throughout our life. And, you know, one of the biggest things for me in PT school is I remember sitting down at a desk, I'd probably been sitting there for about six hours that day, 
and my professor came in and said, hey guys, guess what? Latest research shows that sitting at a desk for eight hours a day increases your mortality rate by some crazy percentage. And um, you know, it was one of those things where it was in that aha moment for me, you know, we were just talking about your aha moments, uh, where it was like, wow, like the human body was meant to move. It was not meant to be sedentary. And what are we doing in a, in a, as a society where we are sitting all day long to commute to work, to sit at work, to commute back home, to then feel so exhausted that we sit down and watch TV or eat dinner and we spend most of our day sitting. Um, you know, even as athletes, you look at all of the, our core musculature completely disappears when we sit. Our hamstrings are not meant to sit as, you know, the pelvis rolls backwards and we put too much pressure on, you know, the high hamstring tendons and, um, you know, all sorts of issues that happen from, you know, a sedentary lifestyle. And I experienced those firsthand. And they did change my life drastically in a matter of just a few years. So, um, yeah, it's just to me, being mobile, being active, you know, as though some people might see it as inconsequential, it really is the, the whole meaning of your body and the, the purpose that it was designed for. Yeah, and I, by no means was I, was I discounting the importance of, of physical activity. I, I do feel like, um, at least growing up in rural America, uh, an undue emphasis is placed on sport and the outcome of sport. Right. And, and um, so I'm, I, I'm certainly a strong proponent, obviously, of, of physical activity, but when it's all outcome-based, that's not what... That doesn't drive me, right? Uh, and right. I and I don't think it should be what drives others. If 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 what we're looking for is a sustainable, um, long term lifestyle, like you described, uh, outcomes outcomes will will come and go. But you know, it really doesn't matter who wins or loses, or whether you run a personal best every single time you toe the line, or every time, or a, or a Strava segment every time you go out for a run. It, it's more about having that consistency connecting with yourself even <laughs> and, oh and so it's, it's not just it's not just um, connecting all your devices and sharing what you're doing it's it's sometimes disconnecting from everyone else and and <laughs> remembering who you are and, and finding out what that purpose is and, and that sort of thing so yeah absolutely yeah. I mean the, the the clarity that you get from a, your mind frame when you're running like it's that flight or fight or flight response that you get, you know, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems working together to clarify the mind while you're running, you get that flow state. Um, and this can be done during any, any activity. You know, we, we typically resort to running because that's what we are. Um, but uh, any kind of physical activity or, uh, you know, motocross, just something where you're getting your mind and your brain focused on something, you really find this in the chaos, you find clarity, you know, in this chaos of this hard workout where you're, all of your systems are firing um, you know, you find this mental clarity that, you know, the body kind of says, hey, this is, this is good. I like this. We should be here. We should be doing this. Yeah. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And it gets excited for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you mind if we switch gears? And it'll kind of go back to some of your work experience. Um, Absolutely. But I, but I think it'll tie, tie some of that back in. Um, one of the questions that we receive as, as coaches, both, both Nock and I, and I, I would assume you receive some of these as well, um, people are always asking us about footwear. And I think you have a unique perspective, both because you've worked in the design of footwear, that 
in the early stages was one of those fringe, uh, one end of the continuum brands that was trying to you know turn the the footwear industry or the the model on its head and and has has navigated that quite well. Succeeded it very well at doing that, yeah. right? Um, but the fact that you're no longer an ultra employee by choice, but um, but you've since you now have experience as a physical therapist. I, I feel like your perspective would would be really valuable because um, you're not you're not that medical sales guy anymore, and you're not <laughs> yeah. you're not a representative of Ultra. Um, in fact, you you currently run for another brand uh, that we can get to at some point um, yeah. in this conversation. But uh, I'm curious if you could, from a from the perspective of a physical therapist uh, and or an exercise scientist, which you are both, and and that of a runner. What what is the value of uh, zero drop? Uh, you know this is, okay. this concept has been around um, for eight or ten years. Uh, kind of came became popular with the whole Born to Run book and and some of that Vibram craze. But um, why zero drop and or why not? Um, yeah, yeah, no, um, it was really unique, and that's actually what drew me to Ultra Footwear. I was working at Salt Lake Running Company, and I remember. Um, Seth Wold, who was a you know, local Utah uh, athlete, had you know he was Ultra's like first real employee as a as a sales sales guy. He came in with these funky new shoes that I was just like, what is? And I was all about like the Nikes, and you know the the drops really weren't much of a conversation at the time. And Seth came in and he was talking about uh, these this new zero drop shoe, and it's 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 shaped like your foot, so it's wide in the toe box and um, you know, it lets your body do what it wants to do naturally. And I think that kind of just makes sense, right? Like the human body has undergone quite a long time of, of evolution and kind of really just solidifying itself as, you know, we are bipedal athletes, we are upright runners. Um, what we do as a species, and then let's just go back to the pure science of things, and if you want to just strip it down to what it really is, we're a species no different than antelope, no different than baboons, no different than any other animal out there, right? We're, we're, we're very good at a specific craft. That's what kept us, what's kept us alive. Um, and you know, you can argue that humans mentally are far ahead of the game compared to most other species, but, um, but physically how we got there, how we were able to develop that was we outlasted either our predators or our prey. And um, you know, we were hunter-gatherers, we were able to be bipedal for a very long amount of time, whether that was hiking, whether that was running. Um, so the, the long and short of this, uh, and the purpose of, of explaining that is, our bodies were designed to do what they do naturally. Um, now, that being said, I feel that an unrestricted um, human body is, can learn to be its most efficient. But how many of us have been unrestricted our entire lives? And when we're in a society that isn't bipedal 24 hours a day, we're not walking and running 24 hours a day, we're not squatting down in a, in a position where we have full range of mobility in our hips and in our ankles and in our knees, um, we just aren't that society anymore. So to get as close to that as we possibly can with a, a shoe that has a really low stack height, for those who don't know, the stack height being the difference between your heel and your forefoot, so that angle that kind of your ankle is undergoing into that uh, plantar flexion every time you take a step, that your heels are a little taller than your, than your forefoot. Um, and with the education um, that I've received and from what I understand, um, you know, 
I think that a zero drop shoe can help you help you get to a more efficient stride and more efficient gait cycle. Um, if you have less of a heel chunk, you are less prone to striking heel first. Um, just, just physics will show you that if you have a higher stack in the back, you're going to hit your heel first, even if you try to land more on a you know a midfoot stride. Um, but a lot of the research shows that anything less than you know 14 degrees of a heel strike is considered natural, neutral, whatever you want to call it. It's 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 efficient, and there's uh, less injury that that comes with that. And a low-profile shoe is an opportunity to do that. It helps reinforce that. There is no panacea. There is no magic bullet, like if you wear this shoe, you will therefore do this. Um, but a zero-drop shoe or a low-profile shoe, um, and when Ultra came into the market, they just were really the first ones to say, we don't care about aesthetics. We're not going into all the bells and whistles we can put into a shoe. We actually want to do the opposite. We want to strip it down. And, you know, kind of Vibrams were the craze right before that. But then people were getting a ton of uh, lower cross or basically from the knee down um, injuries and weaknesses, even though they were strengthening the knees up um, because their form was getting better. Their body was adapting to that. They were getting lower leg injuries. So you add a little bit of cushion, that's going to protect that. There comes this hybrid of ultra footwear where they're giving you all the benefits of a natural stride, meaning the least restricted kind of gait that you can have. Um, but also adding protection of a little bit of cushion. You know, the, the Kenyans, you know, when you talk about reading Born to Run and all that, the, the, the Kenyans and the, the Tarahumara tribesmen down in Mexico, they're not running on blacktop asphalt. They're running on a much softer terrain. Um, we run on a much more firm terrain that, you know, if you're running on asphalt or concrete, Every time your foot strikes the ground, you're hitting about two to three times your body weight is the force generated through the body. And it's much less than that when you're running on dirt. That's just, that's, that's purely physics. Um, you have more to absorb in that. So you do need some cushion, you need something there. And in terms of the zero drop, um, from what I've found, and you know, I was a huge believer in zero drop is for everybody. This makes the most sense. And it does make the most sense just from a purely just let's restrict everything and let the human body do what it wants to do. But then my education came into play and I went to school and I learned a few things. And um, the biggest thing I learned is that, A, there is no one right answer for the human body. We're all different. Um, so it would be ludicrous to say that zero drop is for everybody. Um, and also let's take into consideration that for the last handful of generations of humans, um, we've been, like we've said, more sedentary. We're running on different types of terrain. We're not as mobile as we used to be, so our body hasn't adapted to that, which means a zero drop for me as you know, my heel is extended um, and I'm going uphill or I'm running on a flat surface, I'm gonna put a little bit more of a load on my calves. And most notably, you know, the gastrocnemius, the soleus, that, con that, uh, that, that uh, complex back there that leads to the Achilles it's gonna undergo a much higher load than it normally would. Even though it's a few millimeters, a few millimeters to a tendon that's not supposed to stretch millimeters is a heavy amount of stress. So from what I've found, um, we're typically a society that has a lot tighter calves, um, our gastrocnemius, our soleus, those are all really, really tight back there. And just all the musculature from the lower leg. So as we go into a zero drop shoe, if you make that jump from a 12 millimeter standard uh, in most other brands to a zero drop, um, you know, that's a big jump. 
you know, 12 millimeters doesn't seem like a lot. It's you know, the stack height of six nickels. Um, it's a lot for a tendon that's not meant to stretch. So if you are gonna go that route, you need to go do that gradually. You need to kind of step into it. And that's one of the reasons that I fall in love with Topo, um, which is who I run for now. They have a, a five millimeter, three millimeter, and a zero millimeter option for their footwear. And um, you know, I believe to be as natural as possible without being so short-sighted that you're looking at zero as the only option. Um, and that is not at all a throw on Ultra. I still, and to this day, I, I believe Ultra is an amazing brand and they make great footwear for those that it can work for. And um, you know, I have a lot of friends who can go to zero drop and they're just fine. I also have a lot of patients and clients that I coach who every time they go that route, no matter what you do, you can adapt the body to a certain degree, um, but no matter what we've done, just short of cutting their Achilles, you know, they're not gonna be able to run in a, in a zero drop shoe, you know, consistently without injury. And the purpose of, you know, as a physical therapist and a coach, my, my goal is to get someone running um, as efficiently as possible so that they can keep running. But if they need to stay in a 12 millimeter drop because that's what keeps them healthy, that's what keeps them moving, then, you know, that's what's best for them. Um, you know, we can talk about ideal form all day long and we can talk about what the most ideal prescription is, but at the end of the day, we're all humans that have a lot of different past uh, uh, lifestyles that allow, that our body hasn't quite adapted to what ideal is, right? Like maybe as a kid, I played uh, football and I rolled my ankle really hard and I had some scar tissue build up. Well, that scar tissue has now limited me to a certain degree and I'm not able to get into zero drop. You know, it, that's just a theoretical. A hypothetical story um, but that's kind of the idea is looking at less of a one answer for everybody and more of a what's the best answer for you and that's the difference that I got working for ultra where I thought this is just as far as science goes this is just straightforward and makes sense to then working with patients where it's like wait a second you should be in zero drop why aren't you in zero drop let's get you in zero drop oh you're injured crap I shouldn't have put you in zero drop and then you look at it from a different perspective so I'm really glad that I was able to gain an appreciation for what Ultra has done. And I mean, let's just talk about what they've done in the footwear industry in general. All shoes now, uh, almost all running brands have options that are lower profile, that are more uh, efficient on that end, they're lighter weight, and they are adopting a bit more of a, of a foot shape to a natural shape to the toe box, which allows toes to splay. We know that there's a great percentage of power that derives from the, the great toe, the big toe, being able to toe off the way that it does. Um, and you know, aligning power balance, all that kind of stuff happens from what Ultra has you know been preaching since day one. You know, all the benefits from that. So it is less of a this is the ideal, and, and ideally, yeah, I think a zero drop in a foot shaped shoe is the best for everyone. But not everyone's set up in an ideal situation, so you have to be cognizant of that. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah. And again, that's. One of the reasons we're doing this podcast as well is uh, we we work with individuals and and people often you know they'll they'll read an article or they'll hear about something and they'll say hey will this work for me or I don't know we can try it out but it it, it doesn't mean that it has to work for you either I think a really good example at least from my generation or our generation uh, Dathan Ritzenhein um, and I, I know a lot of people poo-poo the Oregon project and I'm not a huge fan of all of it either but uh, it was really frustrating to see him there um, because he was injured so much and the idea was 
hey, we need to make that was when this the 180 stuff was just all the rage and and Kinnanisabekele was the man and and so it was okay you can you're one of the few white guys who has ever lived to break 13 minutes in the 5k but we want you to be two seconds faster so that you can run with Bekele and the reason you're not two seconds faster is because your form doesn't quite look like Bekele's it's like like you mentioned early on, it might have had something to do with some genetics as well. But I, I mean, and, and we're talking about the greatest, in my opinion, what, at least one of the most um, talented American distance runners there's ever been. Right. Um, at least native-born um, American distance runners, and and his he kept getting injured because of these efforts to change his form, and I and it wasn't with the footwear; it was just with some other things that I, I again he I. I all runners have had injuries, but it's hard to it, 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 it's hard to wonder what he could have done um, with his career had he been able to stay healthier and just been more consistent. And it seems like efforts like that are now being made with with Rupp, where it's like, okay, we're going to scrap that whole change the form thing. Rupp's a beautiful runner, obviously, but like we're going to just focus on running consistently, and that's where the gains will come, and you'll find your most efficient form, kind of thing. Anyway, sorry to get off on that, but. Um, We've only got a few more minutes, but um, we wanted to also pick your brain as a as a physical therapist um, and a runner. What are what are what would you say are the most common um, running injuries that, that you encounter, and and also what are some things that um, that runners can do to avoid those injuries? Okay, yeah, let's 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 attack that first one first of um, the most common running injuries I see um, outside of. Uh, you know the acute injuries of you know uh, rolling your ankle or things like that um, which I think is the most common thing we've all suffered from but no one realizes how dramatic that actually is within the the tendons and ligaments of the system um, but that's a whole nother discussion for another day but I think that uh, the most common things I see is a lot of patellar issues a lot of knee pain um, people just really kind of overloading the quads and not getting into that posterior chain enough um, and you know, one of the things that I feel um, could prevent things like that is is having a good mobility, and um, and this is true with all all joints. So when we talk about like injuries, injuries generally uh, revolve around a joint because um, you have muscles and tendons and ligaments that all connect that joint together, and the purpose of of, of muscular contractions is moving a joint with force to propel the body in, in running, for example. Um, but typically what I see is a, a limitation in a joint mobility. And let's not get mobility and flexibility confused. Flexibility is the ability to, for example, maybe grab your leg and pull it up over your head. You have a full range of motion in your hip and you can assist your body in doing that. That's flexibility. That's the ability to gain the whole range of motion. Now, mobility is different. Mobility is the opportunity to have strength and power throughout that entire range of motion. So the difference between flexibility and being able to, you know, grab your leg and, and you know, pull it up to your head, um, that's flexibility. Mobility would be doing that without touching your leg. You're using your own musculature to go through that entire range of motion. That's going to require stability, it's going to require coordination, a neuromuscular component, and it's going to require a strength component to that. Um, and where I see a lot of injuries are when we get out there and 
Uh, we go for a run, and I would say that 80% of the power we, we utilize comes from you know quads, hamstrings, and your, your calf muscles, uh, that tricep serrate complex, um, and the glutes. But what I've seen a lot of runners nowadays, and let's again, it all revolves back to the fact that we're a sedentary uh, society that sits more than we're active. We have lost range of motion in our hip flexors, um, or our hips. Our hip flexors are too tight; they're shortened all the time, and we can never really get into an extension on the hip. So therefore, our glutes start to get knocked out of the equation. And if going to a purely physics, if there's 100% of a job that needs to get done, and I had five muscles using 20% of their capacity, and I knock one of those out, now the rest of those muscles are now overextending themselves. And they're having to make up for what those glutes are no longer doing. Um, then we start overutilizing our quadriceps because our quadriceps aren't allowed to ever shut off because we never get them, we never get our hips behind us. Um, and we're over, over depending on our quads, we start doing that. Well, now that uh, patellar tendon is taking more stress than it should have taken. And we can get through 80% of our training like that, but it's that extra, you know, 20% or 10% that that's when it overloads the system. And all the injuries we typically see as physical therapists are overuse, overstress injuries. Um, you know, we can preach form all day long, but if you don't have the, the mobility and the flexibility to, to utilize that form, um, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna mean anything. You're actually gonna be doing probably more damage trying to get into muscles that you haven't adapted to or haven't adapted to that proper form, you know, in, in one day. So, you know, I have, I have eight years of running experience under my legs now, um, to about 10 years of running experience under my legs now. And, you know, my body has adapted the way that I run. And if I were to change that tomorrow, I would confuse all of those muscles. I would confuse all of those ligaments. And in a matter of a couple days or maybe even a few weeks, if I'm lucky, something's going to pop up. Something's going to say, hey, we're not used to this. You didn't slowly adapt us to this. Um, so I would say uh, to kind of bring it all full circle, uh, the biggest things I see are mobility and flexibility limitations that cause patellar tendonitis. It causes Achilles tendonitis. It causes a strain somewhere around that joint because it doesn't have that full mobility. Um, and the best thing you can do as an athlete is making sure that you're doing all the little extra stuff. We tend to get focused on the run, but what about a, your nutrition afterwards? Are you getting the right nutrition to rebuild everything? Are you staying hydrated so that your muscles have the mobility and they're more pliable? Um, are you doing the, the work on a foam roller or stretching uh, before and after? Are you, are you warming up properly so you don't shock the system too quickly and, and overload muscles that haven't neuromuscularly adapted to it quite yet um, or don't have the proper blood flow? That's all the little things, and I would say the biggest little thing you can do is just making sure that you are taking care of your muscles so that they're not pulling on those ligaments uh, and tendons as much. And um, you know that's where most of our injuries come from are those 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 tendinopathies that we want to try to decrease, and that all starts in the muscles. So focus on your flexibility, your mobility. Um, you know, you, we could have an entire another hour long conversation exactly how to do that, but. The short end of it is uh, low load, long duration stretching. That's worth a Google visit um, to understand what that is, but really just try to allow your body to gain its full range of motion in every joint. And once you get that, everything else can fall into place, you know, one precept upon another.
awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. All right. So if, uh, if our listeners want to, want to find you, want to learn more from you and what you do, where can, where can people find you? Uh, mostly, um, I'm on Instagram. That's like my biggest social media thing. It's the only time I have time thing, uh, only social media I have time to focus on. Um, I've been recently doing a lot of educational stuff on there. Um, it's not just pictures of me running and look at the cool place I ran. Um, I want you guys to all gain something from me. I want you to gain some knowledge or some inspiration or something. So follow me on Instagram. Um, it's just pretty simple. Zach Marion, uh, Z-A-C-M-A-R-I-O-N. You can find me on there. Um, I'll be the one runner that has a picture on there, um, but uh, under that name. So yeah, follow me on social media. Hit me up, DM me. You know, throw throw out messages, whatever. I love to hear from um, from anybody out there who has questions, and you know, I'll, I'll try to involve them in my posts. But that's that's my number one uh, source of communication. Or um, you can also, if you want to go into the iFit apps. Um, go uh, Google up IFIT, I-F-I-T, um, and uh, I am one of the coaches on there. It's worth, if you want a little extra motivation, it's not very much money a month to get a prescription uh, subscription on that, and you know you have all the workouts on your fingertips, even if you want to take it uh, on the road and you don't want to be on a treadmill, at least you have the workouts there, and you can you know listen to uh, me or, or Tommy or a number of other athletes on there uh, coach you through a, a good system. Well, seems like you. a really cool thing if anyone's stuck in a hotel and trying to like <laughs> work out in a hotel gym that seems like an awesome oh time. my gosh yeah, <laughs> great for that great for that for sure alright well that's episode 5 and uh, we appreciate you listening please um, rate review subscribe share we're on Apple Podcasts we're on Stitcher Spotify Google um, kind of everywhere you can find podcasts we should be there now um let us know what you think and let us know any other questions that uh, you'd like us to, to cover in future episodes. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. Thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah. Pleasure having yeah. Cool. Thank you. I'll climb atop the highest mountain